Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Good morning. It's good to be here in the Lord's house this morning. It's always a privilege together with God's people and to be able to, to worship. And uh, we're all part of the church. I go to Millersville, but... I'm glad that I can come here and worship with you here at Sulphur Springs this morning. I've seen several faces that I know. Uh, got an old ball coach, a teacher that, uh, that I had growing up, and uh, I love them dearly. Uh, Brother Eric and Anthony McLean. Anthony is one of my rec basketball coaches, and, uh, and I appreciate him and his life and Brother Eric and several others that I know here uh, as well, and uh, they've been a great blessing to me. And uh, not to mention your associate pastor, your youth pastor, Brother James, and, and your pastor, Bradley. Uh, they have been a blessing to my life, and they have enriched my life. Um, go to James as well for counseling and uh, just run by some things. It's good to have somebody that is like-minded that you can run by some ideas and things with and, and knows that I know that will be there for me and give me sound advice. But, uh, but um, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you this morning. If you've got a copy of God's Word, Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9 is where we're at this morning. Know that it is Memorial Day and we're so grateful for the sacrifices that um, men and women have made for our country. But I, this morning, I'm going to be speaking to you about one of the greatest needs for our country today. So if you've got a copy of God's Word, Romans 9, and if you found your place, if you would please stand uh, for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 this morning. The Bible says, starting in verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so grateful this morning, Lord, that we're able to come and to... to sing songs that glorify you. But God, we're thankful most of all that we can come and we can hear from your word. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would guide my words. I pray that you would guide my tongue. I pray, God, if it would please you, that you would please help me to, to preach your word this morning. Lord, hide me behind the cross that your son Jesus would be high and lifted up this morning. And God, we pray, Lord, as we look into your word, that our minds, our hearts would be open. And God, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but we would also be doers of the word this morning. God, we pray as we preach. I pray that you would help. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. Who is someone that you know that currently does not have a relationship with the Lord. It can be a family member, a friend, a work acquaintance, a classmate, someone that you know that does not have a relationship. 
I want you to get them in your mind. But my greater goal this morning is for them to move from your mind into your heart. That you would have a burden for them this morning. The Apostle Paul has turned the corner in chapter 8. He has been speaking of the great love of, of Christ. A love in which he had for sinners. A love that we see all throughout the Gospels. In Matthew's Gospel, we find that Matthew is speaking of that love. He says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Then he says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Lord Jesus, he had a heart for sinners. And that heart, it moved him to the cross. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus just didn't simply have us on his mind, but we were in his heart? He had compassion. He had love. Now Paul transitions to speaking in chapter 8 about that love that Christ has for sinners to speak of his own love that he has for sinners. And he begins to do that by making a promise. He says, I say the truth in Christ. In making this promise, he beckons to his relationship that he had with Jesus. 164 times we find that Paul speaks of this relationship by saying that he is in Christ or in the Lord or in Him. If you are here this morning and have a relationship with God, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are in Him. But even greater, He is in us. And because we are in Him and He is in us, His desires should be our desires. His mind should be our mind. His will should be our will. And His mission should be our mission. And the mission of Jesus Christ is that, that He would come to seek and to save that which was lost. And if that is His mission, then that is our mission as well. Matthew 28, he gives us the great commission there. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That is our mission statement, church. We are to go into all the world teaching and preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The greater thing is, as we go, he is with us. He says, go, but lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He is with us. We are in mission or on mission with Christ this morning. To go to our family member, to our friends, and to all those that do not know Christ and share the gospel. We are His hands, we are His feet, we are His mouthpiece to a world to proclaim the gospel. So the Apostle Paul describes his love for the people that he is speaking to by making them a promise. But he goes further and he says, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness. Now the conscience is that little voice inside of us that either commends us or condemns us. Says this is true or this is false. 
Now, we have to be careful listening to our conscience because according to Titus 1.15, sometimes it can become defiled. But the Apostle Paul, he was speaking out of a pure conscience. He was, he was energized. He was guided by the Holy Spirit. So when he was saying, this is the truth and my conscience bearing witness, we could take it as the truth. You see, he was making a true statement to the people in which he is writing to. So Paul is doubling down on this promise. He is wanting to make it abundantly clear to the people that he is telling them the truth. Why would he double down like that? The reason being is because the people that he is writing about think that Paul has turned his back on them. See, he is writing to his Jewish brethren, the ones that he used to run with the ones that he used to go with as they persecuted the church. But now he has accepted Christ. He has received him on the Damascus Road, and he is no longer persecuting the church, but now he is partnering with the church. And to make matters worse, he is sitting down with a bunch of Gentiles and telling them how that they can have a relationship with God. He is viewing Paul as a one that had turned his back on them. And so Paul is trying to make it abundantly clear and saying, no, I haven't. I care for you. I love you. Remember, no one cares what you know until they know how much you care. 96%, the statistics say, of people that begin a relationship with God come to, to Christ because they have begun a relationship first with a friend, a relative, an associate, or neighbor who invited them to church or shared the gospel with them. Think of your own faith journey. Who was it that first of all invited you to church? Who was it that shared the gospel with you for the very first time? More than likely, it was someone that you already had a relationship with. It was someone that had showed you that they cared. Church, there are people all around us that need to know that someone simply cares and loves them. There are people that are hurting, that are depressed, that are downcast, that need to know that someone loves them. One of the greatest examples that I saw of this was a lady by the name of Courtney who lives in Benton, Tennessee. We took our young people up to Benton, Tennessee for a, a mission trip several years ago. When we were up there, Courtney, she amazed me of all that she was doing to minister to the people of that town. She would have this program in the park. It was called Flip. It was free lunch in the park. And what she would do is she would bring the neighborhood kids into that park and, and she would feed them. But as she was feeding them, she was sharing the gospel with them. But it didn't start just or stop at lunch. No, she invested herself in the people there in Benton. She knew their needs, their physical needs. She knew if they needed clothes. She knew if they needed a utility paid or, or whatever that need may be. And she sought her best to, to make sure that that physical need was taken care of. Why? Because she wanted to gain an ear to them. She had a greater desire than just fulfilling the, the physical needs of the people there. She wanted to take and see their spiritual needs being fulfilled. 
She wanted to be able to, to get into their lives so that she can share the gospel with them. If you could open up her heart, you could see the love and the care that she had for those within Benton. I wonder this morning if we were to open up our hearts or somebody was able to, to look into them and, and to see and to examine them, what would they see? Would they see simply a superficial love? A love that maybe reaches out to the bare minimum? Maybe even takes care of some physical needs? Or would they see a heart that was burdened for them? A heart that had a desire to see them saved and beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. Ray Stedman in one of his books tells the story of a man who had a friend that he knew that their church had dismissed their pastor. And so he goes to his friend and he asks him, he says, why did you dismiss your pastor? And he said, well, all that he wanted to do is say that we were going to hell. Well, the friend said, well, what does your new pastor say? He says, well, he says the same thing. The man looked at his friend, kindly bewildered, and he said, well, why did you dismiss the first one, but you're keeping the, the second one? He said, well, when the first one said it, seemed like he was glad that we were going. But when the second one said it, it seemed like it was ripping his heart out. You see, the first one had all the words. He crossed the T's, dotted the I's, he shared the gospel, he had all the words, but he did not have the heart. He did not have a burden. You see, we can have all the right words. We can go through all the right evangelism training. We can have all the tools. But if we do not have a heart, if we do not have a burden for lost sinners, then it is of no effect. This morning, if we could peer into Paul's heart, and I believe that we can through this Scripture, we would see the love that he had for his Jewish brethren. He begins to write and he says, that he says, with great heaviness and continual sorrow, I, I, I weep, I, 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 I am burdened for you. That word heaviness, to, to give you a picture of that, that word heaviness of what it means, I want you to think of the, the worst situation that you have ever been in. A situation that just seemingly ripped your heart out. It caused great pain. It cut you to the very soul. That's what that word heaviness means. He's saying, I am touched to my very soul. I have great pain. I have great sorrow when I think about the lostness of my Jewish brethren. And it was a pain, it was a sorrow that was not going away, but it was continually growing. He said, I have continual sorrow for you. I'm sad to say that sometimes... We may have a burden for the lost. We may have a burden to see them saved, but that burden, sometimes it begins to dissipate, begins to go away. We might get worked up in a revival. We might get worked up in a service, and we want to go and win the lost. We want to share the gospel. But then life happens. We get busy. 
The cares of the world, it begins to bombard us, and that burden that we once had, it begins to go away. And it takes some tragedy, or it takes someone being on their deathbed to to awaken us, to to get us back out of that slumber to where we say, I've got to go, I've got to find out where they stand with the Lord. Why does it take that? Why does it take a tragedy? Why does it take someone being on their deathbed to where we say, I've got to find out where they stand with the Lord? The truth of the matter is that all of us, maybe there are some in here this morning that that do not know Christ, they're just as close to hell as that individual that is on their deathbed. The Bible says, He that believeth not is condemned already. David said, he said, I am just but one step away from death. One step, one breath away from going into a Christless hell for all of eternity. That's the situation that unbelievers find themselves in today. And if that fact does not stir us to a greater burden for those who do not know Christ, John Knox, one of the great reformers, had such a burden for the lost in his country. He prayed, oh God, give me Scotland or I die. Said that when he was old and and feeble, they would lead him up to the pulpit and he would stand there and he began to pray. And as he began to pray for those that were lost, he began to, to shake the pulpit and it almost seemed like it was going to fall apart. He had that great of a burden. Do we have that great of a burden for the lost in our country? David Brainerd, who was a great missionary to the Native Americans, had such a burden for them that he recalled that as he was going through the snow to to go and teach them, he had that great burden that it caused him to to lie down in the snow and begin to, to pray for them, even there in the snow. And as he got up, he was drenched with sweat. He got so worked up. Apostle Paul, who's writing the scripture that we read this morning, he also wrote in Corinthians, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. If we all had the burden that these men had for the loss, what would we see God do? What would He do within our country? What would He do within our community? What would He do within our church? That if we had such a a great burden that we moved from simply talking about the laws, simply training to reach the laws, and simply planning to reach the laws, to where we were actually going out and reaching the laws that are around us. George Sweeting in his book, The No Guilt Guide to Witnessing, he tells of a a serious silver shortage in Great Britain. They'd run out of silver, and so Oliver Cromwell, he sent out some individuals to go and to search the country to see if they could find any silver. They come back a little bit later, and they gave him the report. They said that we could not find any silver. We searched the the country high and low and we could not find any silver except in our great cathedrals. 
said, there we have constructed these saints into statues using this silver. That's the only place that we can find it. Oliver Cromwell, hearing the news, he gave the decree and he says, well, let's go in and let's melt down the saints. That's what we need today. We need a holy meltdown of the saints. We need to have such a, a burden, such a fire for the lost that we, we go out of our churches and we go into circulation and we share the gospel with them. We need a holy meltdown this morning. Paul had a, a holy meltdown. He had a great burden. He was cut to his heart. He had great pain. We see that pain in the Scripture. We've seen the promise that He made in verse 1, but now we see in verse 3, we see His plea. He says, For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. The word accursed, it means to be cut off. It means to, to be devoted unto destruction. It's basically what Moses said in, in chapter 32 of Exodus the people there, they had made the golden calf and, and he understood, he knew that the wrath of God should be poured out on the Israelites. But when he knew that, he went to bat for them. He goes to God and he's seeking his, his forgiveness. He's seeking his mercy. He says, yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. He said, blot me out of your book. He had such a love for the Israelites. Paul has such a love for the Jewish brethren that he says, if it be possible, I would go to hell for them that they would know and they would believe on Jesus Christ. You see, he's speaking irrationally here. He has such a love. You know, sometimes we can have such a love for an individual that it causes us to do irrational things. Paul had a, such a love for his Jewish brethren that it was causing him to speak irrationally. Because even though he said, I would go to hell for them, he knew that he could not. He knew that that was not a possibility for him because he had just talked about how he was, he was receiving the love of Christ and there was nothing that could separate him from the love of God. He says in the Scripture, he says, that not in tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers or anything present or to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that we can do, nothing that, that hell or heaven can do that can separate us from the love of God because we are in Christ. But that was his heart in this writing. He said, I would go to hell so that my Jewish brethren would know. He couldn't do it. Even if he could, it, it wouldn't have mattered. You see, he was just a sinner, just like you and I are. We can't go, we can't even die for our own sins, much less the sins of the world. But what we could not do, Christ did for us. 
The Bible says He redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. He who knew no sin was made sin for us. Jesus went to the cross of Calvary. He experienced the pain, the emotional pain, the the spiritual pain, the, the physical pain, crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And He died so that we might be saved. Paul had that type of love for his Jewish brethren. Even though he couldn't have went, he said, if I could, I I would. I wonder how far we would be willing to go for those who are lost around us. The love of Christ and His burden for sinners took Him to the cross. But I'm afraid that sometimes we don't have burden enough to go across the street. He was willing to go and and to give His life. Are we willing to go and share the gospel? To give of our time, maybe our resources to do so? No, I don't know if I could say that this morning, if I could be real honest with you. I don't know if I have that burden that Paul did. If we would get honest, we would all say that we don't have that burden. Now, I may be willing to go for my children. I would say that any parent here, if you knew that your children would be saved and if it would take you going to hell to experience that, then we may be willing to to go and, 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 and have that type of burden for our children. Can we say that about someone else's child? Can we say that about our friends, an acquaintance, a work acquaintance, a classmate? Can we say that about our enemies? A lot of times when we have an enemy, somebody that has done us wrong, we want God to pass judgment upon them, don't we? Say, God, just just take care of them. Just do away, do do whatever to them. That's not the, the heart that the Apostle Paul is speaking out of. You see, he is speaking to those who had set themselves up as enemies to him. They not only wanted him done wrong, they wanted him taken out. They wanted his life. The Bible says in Acts 23, 12, it says, And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. They seriously hated Paul. But Paul seriously loved them. You may be here this morning and you're saying, Well, I'm not the Apostle Paul. (laughs) And I would have to agree, there's none of us have reached that that caliber. But let me say, aren't you glad that even though when you had set yourself up as an enemy of Christ, that's what the Bible says that we were before we knew Him. We were enemies of God. Aren't you glad that your enemy had such a burden, he had such a love for you that he was willing to to forgo the cross, to, to go to the cross and take that pain, that spiritual, that emotional, that physical pain that he experienced on the cross so that you might have a relationship with God. 
You see, even our enemy went to the cross for us. If you're saved, your enemy at one time, he went to the cross for you. Are we willing to do the same? William Booth, the powerful soul winner and founder of Salvation Army, was once asked, do you think you have the best witnessing school in the world? Booth replied, no, I don't think my methods are the best. I think the best method of giving people a burden for lost souls would be to take them to a devil's hell and allow them to experience what is to be lost in hell, separated from God for an eternity in fire that could never be quenched. Then I believe that men would truly have a burden. See, we don't understand a lot of times the reality of hell. We don't understand the reality of what is going to take place if those that we come into contact with each and every day that do not know Christ, what their eternal destination is going to be. Who said, if I was able to take them and to see and open up the reality to them, then I believe that men would have a burden. But as I've already said, we cannot go to hell and to experience that as believers. We cannot do that. But I believe that even though we cannot do that, that Christ in the Scripture, He has revealed to us, He has pulled back the curtains a little bit so that we might peer in and see. He speaks one day of a rich man and a man named Lazarus. Lazarus, he was a beggar. He... He went all of his days and he was, he was just simply begging for food. He, he lived a, a rough life. And then on the other hand, you have this rich man that, that seemed like he was just coasting through life. Everything seemed to be going his way. Till one day, both the rich man and Lazarus died. The Bible says that Lazarus was taken into the bosom of, of Abraham, paradise. And the rich man was taken into hell. There in hell, the Bible says that the rich man, he, he looked up and he called out. He says, have Lazarus just, just to dip his finger just a little bit in water so that I might have just a, a drop of water on my tongue to, to relieve some of my pain. He just wanted an instance of relief. Can you hear him this morning? Can you, can you just picture his request as he cries out there for all of eternity. See, hell is a hopeless, helpless place. And the rich man, he asked for that drop of water. It was told of him that Lazarus could not go. He says, there is a great gulf between you and Lazarus. If he would want to go there, he cannot pass over there. If you would want to come here, you cannot pass over here. A hopeless, helpless situation. And the rich man realized his situation. He had another request. He said, go and send someone to my brethren. 
You see, he had five brothers, five brothers. And he said, go and send someone to my brothers and tell them not to come here. You know, it's said in life that we have five close friends. We may have a lot of acquaintances. We may have a lot of Facebook friends, Instagram followers. But when it boils down to it, we have five people in our lives that are real, true friends. Who's those five in your life? Who are those five in your life this morning? Let me ask you this. Do they know Christ? Rich man, he wanted someone to go and tell his brothers, those five, where is those five in your life? Where do they stand? Where is that family member? Where is that friend? Where is that work acquaintance? Where is that classmate? Where do they stand with the Lord? If we don't know, why don't we know? I believe it's because sometimes... We may have that burden, but it's not enough, not enough to get by maybe the, the ridicule that we think that we're going to experience, maybe the, the rejection that we're going to experience, that we're not willing to go and to tell them. Church this morning, Christian this morning, do you have a burden for the lost? So I've already admitted myself, I don't have the burden that the Apostle Paul did. I, didn't, I don't have the, the burden to which I'm able to say, if it be possible, I would be accursed. I would go to hell for my Jewish brethren or, or, or those that I come into contact with. I don't have that burden. But I want to have that burden. I want to have that burden that causes me to go out and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. This morning I'm asking you that if you're here today and you don't have that burden, you come to God and you ask Him to give you that burden. The Bible says, He that goes and, and sows with weeping, with, with tears, He will come again rejoicing. Friend, today we've got to have tears. We've got to be driven back to our tears, to, to lay tears on this altar for the lost that are going to hell if we don't share the good news of Jesus Christ with. How long has it been since you've covered the altar? Maybe here or your family altar with tears saying, God, please, please save that one that I know is lost. As I call the musicians around, this morning, maybe you want to come and say, God, give me my tears back. Give me that burden for the loss that I may go and share. God, use me to share the gospel with those that are around me. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Him. Friend, today you can know Him. You can know Him. The gospel is good news. It's good news. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but, but now I see. I was eternally destined for hell, but now, thank God, I am eternally destined for heaven this morning. And you can be too by placing simple faith 
in Jesus Christ. Brother Mark, come on around. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.